We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead. Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, May twelfth. It's Fighting Friday. We got a MMA card tomorrow. UFC Charlotte. They're in Charlotte. They're in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's an early card. Okay, just remember it's early. Don't don't get up late and oh, half the card's over. Right, the card. The start time is is twelve twelve thirty. 11.30, 11.30, 11.30 in the morning. It may be, it may be noon now, but it's, it's going to be early. It's an early one. They're going to have some, some on, a, it's going to, it's on ABC. That's the, that's the main reason. Uh, so, uh, so make sure you get up early. Me and Mike H3 Buddha will be on crunch time tomorrow. That's pro, currently scheduled for 10.45 a.m. Leading you up until lock. Um, and, but now uh, I'm going to take a, the first, a first look-see. First look-see about uh, DFS strategy and construction for tomorrow's UFC card. Give me those thumbs ups. Give me the thummy thumbs, the thummy thumbs in the morning, right? You know how much I love the thummy thumbs. The early birds are here. Defect, what does Bart B. Suki Singh, Joe Mac, Daniel Hutchins. Good morning. Hit the, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Remember programming note, this will be the last DFS pregame show until June 1st. Okay. So if you don't see me, I'm not dead. Right? If you don't, oh, where'd the show go? Oh, did Jordan get fired? No, no, I'm on vacation. I'm going to Alaska, going to Las Vegas. I'll be gone. I'll be gone Monday through all the way to the 31st. I'll be back on June 1st. So have fun with have fun without me. Have fun. What are you gonna do in the morning without me? I don't know. Do something better, I guess. But we got this UFC card tomorrow, and it's not a very appealing one. I think it's the least appealing one of recent memory. Right, I, I'm going to come on the show and go. You shouldn't play tomorrow's card. You shouldn't play tomorrow's slate, right? If you had a choice, tomorrow's slate isn't is isn't it? Uh, we we lost a we lost a fight. We lost a fight this morning 
We lost the the Natan Levy Pete Rodriguez fight, so that fight is off. So now we're down to eleven fights, and once we start getting to these number of fights, not a big fan of playing these cards because that drastically reduces the amount of combinations you can make in lineups, which leads to even more duplication. Okay, which means you have to find even weirder ways to be unique, the under fives, stuff like that. Hold on. Um, my dog is barking uncontrollably. Hold on a second. Okay, I think that I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay, so eleven fight card. What what do we what do we what do we always talk about? What do we always talk about when it comes to MMA card? The two contextual variables that we should be looking at when determining. What is more or less likely to be the nut lineup, right? The optimal lineup, the, the best possible combination that you can make of six fighters. And that's typically in GPP, typically large real GPPs, the winning lineup is going to be the nut lineup or very, very close to the nut lineup. Well, the two contextual variables, we go over this every Friday, right? Fights on the card, number of fights, size of the slate. And spreads of the fighters. So we know what how many fights on the slate. Eleven. So we're, we have a smaller slate, not the smallest slate. We've had we've had some nine and ten fight fight slates before. Eleven is still on the smaller side. So with less fights, what are we doing? We prioritize. There's more weight towards win equity. There's more weight, especially for the underdogs. Right on a fifteen fight card. We have a lot more options, which means, you know, Mandy Bohm at 7,300, you know, putting up 68 points in a win or something like that on a 15-fight card likely doesn't make the nut lineup. It's much less likely. But on an 11-fight card, if she's the only underdog that wins, well, she's probably going to be in the nut lineup, right? And there's only 11 fights. Okay, so we're going to be putting a little bit a little bit more emphasis on win equity for underdogs than we would normally and then the spreads of the fights will determine a salary range that the nut lineup is most likely to be towards now that we take a look at some of the odds I, I i put them in like late wednesday so some of these may have been updated a little bit by now uh but it shouldn't change that much so we have we have all the 9K fighters are at least three to one favorites. We have three four to one favorites. We have a gel now made is almost a five to one favorite. Minus 490, minus 410, minus 420. Ian Gary's minus 310. Even this in this high 8K range, we have over two to one favorites. Court McGee's minus 230. Alex Morono minus 225. Okay. The spreads of the fights. We have much more heavier favorites. It's not like last week. It's not like the week before where, you know, the the, the, the 9K options were only like minus, minus 200, minus 185, minus 210. These are much bigger favorites, which means they're much more likely to win, which means there's less likely a lot of underdogs do win tomorrow based on, based on the odds. It could happen, sure. Yeah, we could get multiple upsets. It can't happen, but it's less likely to happen. So because the spreads of the fights are much wider, it means that 
Less underdogs are likely to win, which means the nut lineup is more and more likely to use most, if not all, of the salary. And now you can see, using those two contextual variables, why I'm not a big fan of this slate from, from, a, from a playability standpoint, from a duplication standpoint. We got a small card with big favorites, meaning that, hey, you're more likely to play a 49-6 lineup, a 49-8 lineup, right? Less likely to play a 48,000, leave 2,000 on the table because it's much less likely that four out of the six highest point fighters are going to be four underdogs. It's more likely to be out of the favorites. And because it's an 11-fight card, there's, there's so much less options, which means how, how, do, you, how do you remove duplication? In, in small option contests, a lot of times it's leaving money on the table. So as you leave, okay, I can get, I can get, a, I can get a lineup that's only duplicated twice, but it leaves twelve hundred on the table. Sure, but the likelihood of that lineup winning is much lower than on any other slate because we have so many big favorites. So it's like the cat, you get it like a catch twenty two type of problem. As you start going down in salary, your win probability starts going down lower and lower. Because the likelihood that the nut lineup is going to be a higher-priced lineup. And you don't have many options. So it's 11-fight card like that. That That's why I don't find it that appealing. I've already started withdrawing some of my entries, right? I'm, gonna play, I'm probably going to end up playing 40 large field entries, and that's it. Maybe I'll play the one lineup in the 555, and I'm not even sure about that. Because the paths to these lineups are... Not that great. I mean, like it's even it's even the fact if you break down the fights, which you can. We have the MMA Ground and Pound podcast. That's but that's a premium member only. So click on that link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. Get Roto Grinders Combo Premium. You'll get access to the MMA Ground and Pound podcast. You'll get uh, access to the expert survey, to our projections, our ownership projections, or everything. So listen to that. That they, you know, Mike and Liam, they break down the fights, but. You look at the way that, like, from a DraftKings perspective of how these fighters score, like, there's a very, there's kind of a big gap. We have a lot of, we have, we have a bunch of fighters that, like, are very obvious when they win, are probably going to put up a big score. And then we have a lot of fighters that it's quite obvious when they win, it's very unlikely that they do, right? Because we have, like, like we have uh, Kim, Morono, Stamen. Uh, even Ian Gary, I mean, really like just like one kind of one dimensionally type of strikers. And then we got guys like Almeida and Carl Williams, right? Even Carlos Alberg, like based on volume, other than that Sharon fight, I mean, he he's minus 175 inside the distance. He's a little bit more knock. He's much more knockout dependent for a hundred plus points, but Almeida and Williams kind of like stand out amongst everyone. Almeida for sure. He's in a five round main event. The main event, let's let's talk about it. I'm not even going to bother calling it a five-round fight. Okay. This is Gerald Almeida versus Jarzino Rosenstroke in heavyweight. Like, if this fight goes five rounds, like, these, they'll, they'll be lying. They'll be just passed out. Okay. Almeida has only gone past the first round once in his last fight. Jarzino Rosenstruck barely has three rounds of cardio. And Rosenstruck is, is basically a, just a, a, a low-volume power puncher. And Almeida is just an athletic wrestling, grappling, BJJ, everything beat. Ground and pound, 
I mean, it's a humongous favorite. I mean, Jelton Almeida is a five, nearly a five to one favorite. His inside the distance line is minus 290. His round one odds are minus 110. If you're if you're playing this because, oh, well, I get five rounds. Like, it, it, you should treat this almost like it's a two-round fight. right? This The fight being five rounds, I don't think makes much of a difference. And even if it went five rounds, it's hard to see Almeida not winning. Because of Rosenstruck, I don't know how he wins on the scorecards without knockdowns. So I don't even consider, I don't even, the, to me, the main event is, it, it, this could be a three-round, dude, the Almeida-Rosenstruck fight could be a three-round fight, and it's still, it's Almeida still is going to be like 60% though. I don't think it matters. But like, there's a very big difference between like guys like that, and then, you know, the Cody Stamen, Douglas Silva, well, Douglas Silva Andrade's plus 200, he could get a knockout. Right, we have just a lot of fights that are more likely to go to decision. The Gary, the Gary Daniel Rodriguez, the we have uh, like the kid, the Kim Bohm fight, like that women's fight. The favorite is plus four hundred inside the distance. We'll just have a look. Jessica Rose Clark is only plus four ten inside the distance. Court McGee, Court McGee hasn't finished anyone in thirteen years, I believe. I believe thirteen. I think thirteen years. Right, like the, the, to me the, the, the to me the fun matchup, the fun if you want to call it fun, is the Court McGee Matt Brown matchup because it's basically just two old guys. Matt Brown's forty two years old. Court McGee is what 30, 39, 30, something like that. Court McGee could wrestle, sure, I guess he doesn't finish anyone. Matt Brown could knock someone out, but he's also forty two years old. So I mean, so one of these guys could just be completely, just completely washed, and the other guy just gets starched. Right. Or it could be that they just have a nice sparring contest and they don't push each other or something. It, it could be who knows. When two old guys go in, you never know what's going to happen. And then you have Tainara Lisboa, who uh, has five wins. The combined record of all five of the women that she beat, there's only one win amongst them. Okay. The combined record of five fighters that she beat, a grand total of one win. And she hasn't fought in a while. So there's barely any tape and no one knows anything about her. And now she's the favorite over Jessica Rose Clark, right? It kind of flipped on the other side. So we have no idea what's going to go on in that one, right? So there's a lot of variance, but there's just like, it's 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 very, it's much, it's, I don't know, much more unlikely that we, that you're not playing like at least one of these, these 9,300 and above guys, Alberg, Williams, or Almeida. Because the likelihood of them putting some, because they're four to one favorites, the likelihood of none of them putting up like 110 points, 100, 100 points may be fine on this slate because there's only 11 fights. So you may look and go, oh, I made his 9,600. If he just gets a quick, you know, 90 seconds in, submission, he gets 102 points. It's like, well, that's not enough for 9,600. Well, on this slate, it could be enough. There's only 11 fights. 102 points at 9,600, maybe the fourth highest price, the fourth, third or fourth, you know, highest scoring fighter on the slate. And it's like, oh, he's still, still in the nut lineup, still optimal. So I'm finding it hard that to, to, to make combinations that seem reasonable that, that aren't duped massively, massively enough. I mean, and I consider anything over five to be too much. I'm aiming for under five. 
If I end up getting between five and tens, I prefer not, but it happens. Anything over that is, is, is ridiculous. I don't want any of those lineups. Daniel Hutchinson says an 11 fight card lineup should be more duplicated at an equilibrium. Therefore, the bad lineups aren't as bad as they would normally be. So there's less edge. That, that would be correct. Right. Because if you, let's say you're going to build lineups, if we go in here, like that popular construction is going to be playing two of these guys up here. Actually, the mid range is, is actually going to be less played, this mid AK range. So let's say you play just the two highest price, Alton, Alton, uh, Almeida and Williams. Right, you have 7 to 7 to 50 average salary. I think a lot of people are going to take a shot on Daniel Rodriguez against Ian Gary, right? End up playing the Walker-Smith fight, which is the most likely to end inside the distance, but good luck telling me who wins this one, right? These are two fighters that, I mean, they can knock each other out at, at any point. Anthony Smith maybe has a little bit more wrestling upside, but, I mean, talk about a variance fight. The $8,200, fight. Neither of them probably score well in a decision, though. But the fight is like minus 300 to end inside the distance. So let's say, let's say, let's say you play Johnny Walker, 7,800. You play Lisboa, right? You got Battle there, right? You could you could do something like this. Maybe play Anthony Smith, Brian Battle. Like say, I think a lot of lineups will look something more like this. You'll see Almeida and Williams. You'll see one low underdog. Right, like a Rodriguez Bohm means type of thing, and then ever then then they're going to just squeeze in the mid range, the low mid range. So it's going to be anywhere from Gabe Green to Silva DeAndrage. So it's going to be three fighters from this range plus the two from up there and one from down there. I think this is going to be the the more the most popular construction. There aren't so many there aren't many combinations of this construction when you're paying ninety six hundred and ninety four hundred. Right, because even if you pivot, I'm going to pivot from Carl Williams to Carlos Alberg. Like it doesn't really, do, it doesn't really. Shed, you don't shed that much uniqueness because Alberg is going to be owned also. Right. Well, I'm not going to play Almeida. I'm playing Williams and Alberg. It's like, well, they're both going to be forty plus percent owned. I mean, you're like you're not shedding that many lineups as you think. You are shedding lineups, but not, not that many. And then I think that if you don't play. Right, if you play like a mid-range lineup, it's going to be much more unique. Let's say, let's say you play for leverage. You play Gary against Daniel Rodriguez, right? You play something like this. You play Gary, Court McGee. Maybe you end up playing, you know, well, you play Pateria because you're not playing Alberg or something like that. Or you pay all the way down there. You play Jessica Rose Clark, Cody Stamen. Or Morono against Means, and you still Johnny. Maybe even you could even throw in Johnny Walker, right? Like something like this. We're not going further further than Gary up top. And even if you don't want to go Gary, you could even you could even go all in the mid range. Like those would be the less played combinations by far, because you're you're not playing Almeida, you're not playing Williams, you're not playing Alberg. But there's a problem here. It's eleven. It's an eleven fight card. Like these three fighters up top are the three most likely over all of the rest of the fighters on the slate to put up a hundred plus points, like by far over the rest of the fighters. So you, you, those lineups that, that don't play any of those three guys rely on the fact that none of the three end up being in the optimal lineup, right? It's not just like, Oh, well, if two of them don't like, no, if one of them does, you, you're screwed. 
Then once you start play, paying at least one, like that, that's truthfully, that would be something that I think would be the grouping that you would make to be less duped is to make a group of just max one of Almeida, Williams, and Albert. I think I'm more likely to make a lineup with one of them than with none of them. Because that's the problem on the slate. It's an 11-fight card, and these three fighters have the highest ceilings by far. And, I, I mean, obviously, Almeida over Williams over Alberg. But there's a lot of fights that are going to, you know, that are that are favored to, to go to scorecards. And not have high wrestling volume or grappling volume, which means we're talking about 75-point striking decision, you know, base decisions. Which may be fine for the underdogs, right? 11 fight car. You don't need, I mean, you don't, dude, there may only be one or two underdogs that win. You get them for 75 points, you win. You're good. You're good. You're done. But in the high range, you know, you're going to play Gian Kim. I mean, at 8,900, how did she get 90 plus points? I, I don't, unless Mandy Bone just gets knocked out or something. I mean, yeah, it's MMA. It could happen. Defix says uh, taking five, four to five underdogs still project high enough to be plus EV. I don't think so. That's the issue. That that is the issue. It's that I would want to leave salary on the table on an eleven fight card to get to get less duped. But as I as I shed salary, I, the 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 win probabilities just go down so dramatically. I mean, what's the what's the lowest lineup that had like let's let's say we play Alberg. Let's think of a lineup that like uses at least one of the top ones to top nine K fighters. And we leave money on the table and somewhat reasonable. Maybe we maybe play Chase Sherman as leverage over, over, over Williams. And we don't play Rosenstruck because I think it'll be over on because he's in the main event. I don't, although I don't think it matters. Let's play Chase Sherman. Right. We played. We played Daniel Garcia, Daniel Daniel Rodriguez, right? We could play Daniel Rodriguez. I mean Silva DeAndrage, baby. I mean Matt. Like, how many underdogs do I want to play? Like, do I want to make a lineup like this that leaves thirty six hundred and plays five underdogs? I no. And maybe Sherman Rodriguez, and then you, you take Walker or Smith, right? In this mid range fight, right? Maybe take Gabe one of the, the Gabe Green or Brian Battle fight, and take Lisboa. I mean, yeah, I mean, I got it. It could, yes, it could happen. Yeah, this isn't as bad as isn't as bad as I thought. Even if you replace Alberg with with Almeida, right? Well, whoops, don't replace him with that. Even if I replace him with Almeida, I mean, I guess I guess these are viable. You take out Sherman. You play Pateria instead. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but they have to be the top scorers. It's not just winning. Like Daniel Rodriguez has to knock out Ian Gary. It's not just, 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 that's it. If you're going to start leaving money on the table, because I mean, 2,200, that means these, that means once you leave $2,200 on the table, that means these have to be the six highest scoring fighters. Because if they're not, you could always fit someone else in because you have 2,200 in salary. If you know, if Carlos Alberg outscores any of these guys, if Ian Gary outscores any of these guys, if 
Morono outscores any of these guys, you know, that's this is not this is not optimal. Because you could because you could change any of these guys to those those fighters. It's a little, little a little bit more viable than I thought, but I mean the likelihood of this is is much lower than on other slates. I'm much more likely if I'm going to do something like this. If we get rid of these lock buttons. I'm much more likely to like, okay, Almeida, and then play somewhere in this range, right? Do Court McGee, right? Court McGee, pay up a little bit. Pick Jessica Rose Clark against Lisboa, right? Maybe you go down. Maybe maybe you maybe you play uh, Silva de Andrade. You know, now now you got now you got some options. Maybe you play Morono, right? Sixty eight hundred. Maybe maybe some more something more like this. Then Chase Sherman. Right? Here's a fifty k lineup that maybe an under five. Right? I'm much more likely to do something like this, where I'm utilizing these mid eight k fighters that are going to be like around 20-ish percent owned, right? The Moronos, the Kim, even Kim, dude, 8,900 for Kim. I don't know where her ceiling is, but, but look, Yao Janan knocked out Jessica Andrade last week, and that was like her first knockout in 17 million years or something. I don't know if she's ever gotten a knockout before. So, you know, you use Kim, Morona, McGee, Stamen, Clark. Green's going to be owned. But like using these, these, I'm, I'm much more looking in this 8,400 to $8,900 range. Or even Gary. Yeah. I think he may end up being a little overowned. I mean, he's not going to be that owned, but he may be overowned. I'd rather I'd rather use multiple of these fighters and have a lineup that's duped five times than leave twenty two hundred on the table and have it a lineup being duped twice. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this slate, I think. I think the, the more likely scenario is that like only like two dogs win. Or three dogs and one of the dogs that would sign. They win and it doesn't matter because the score isn't good enough. Like I don't expect I don't expect a slate where we see half half the underdogs win. And the favorites that do win, like these three 9K fighters are much more likely to put up 120 points than they are to put up 70. So you're probably going to need one of them. So that's the balance. That's the balance of making a lineup that looks like that, but is not so heavily duplicated. Anything else? 
Anything else on my slate? I mean, I, I still need to fill out the rest of my uh, rest of my sheet as of now. I mean, as of now, Almeida and Alberg, right, right, and William. I mean, like, look, I mean, you could see right here just on our ownership, which is going to change because this this included uh, the Levy uh, Pete Rodriguez fight. So obviously, you could see here that it only adds up to five thirty one. This is going to change, right? I have to update some of the odds. I mean, from 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 this standpoint, it looks like more like. It's hard to ignore these 99K fighters, but I mean, we'll see a lot of Almeida Williams lineup. We're going to see a lot of Almeida Williams. We're going to see a lot of Almeida Albergs. A little bit less Williams Albergs. Just understand that Alberg's path to victory is, is like knockout dependent. Like Alberg isn't wrestling against Pateria, right? He's much more likely to be knocked out, I guess, right? In, in a firefight. I think Williams is going to be very popular because, you know, he could chain wrestle. And Chase Sherman is, is you know, he's known for not being good on the mat, but it is a heavyweight fight. And if you remember last, this was, this was, this fight, this was the canceled fight from a couple of weeks ago, right? This was the fight. It was Carl Williams versus Chase Sherman. And then it got, got, it got canceled after lock, right? That, that was this fight. I remember Carl Williams saying like before that fight that he he was planning on on striking. This this is this is this is why when you when you play when you play UFC when you play MMA DFS. I mean, we saw, we saw that last week with Cron Gracie. We we see it every single week. Nothing against nothing nothing against any any of these guys specifically. It may be a little bit offensive, but I I typically say like if if. If these guys were smart, they wouldn't be fighters. Okay. There's a lot of times we go, we go into we go into fights, and it's like, well, it's obvious. It's obvious, like you're gonna you have so much higher chance of winning if you just did this. And they just don't do it. Right? You see it, everyone sees it. Everyone see everyone sees that, you know, oh, it's uh what 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 was it? Uh Col- Colby Covington or whoever. Who, who, who fought Alex Pereira and said, I'm, I'm not even going to bother trying to take him down. Sean, someone, whoever, who, who, who was it? Said, oh, I'm not going to take him down. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to strike with the guy. Like with the world, with the, with the world champion kickboxer. And it's like, no, well, obviously he shouldn't be doing that. If he wants to win the fight, he, he should be going for takedowns. Oh, Sean Strickland. Yeah. Someone mentioned in the chat. There were all the, all the questions that that week of like, yeah, obviously Sean Strickland's going to go for takedowns. He's he's not going to beat Alex Pereira on the feet. And then Sean Strickland's even going like, nope, I'm standing and trading. And people are going, come on, you're not that much of an idiot. And then he was that much of an idiot. Like he said what he was going to do, right? Matt Frivola, he's putting out Twitter polls on what should do, right? You think Carl Williams would be smart enough to go? Well, this guy. Can't get up. <laughs> so I'm just going to take him down as early as possible. We also saw in his last fight, the last fight, he didn't all that look that that good cardio-wise in the third round. I'm not saying Chase Sherman's going to win, right? Because obviously he's a plus 330 underdog, right? Carl Williams is a 4-1 to favorite. But let me tell you, I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if Chase Sherman knocked him out. Not be shy. He's plus five forty inside the distance. I mean, like, like this is this is this is purely based on 
I'm just looking for variants. I mean, it's an 11 fight card. I'm just looking for where's their variants. Please find me variants that people are not going towards. Right? Because you take a look and you go, oh, there's a lot of variants in Johnny Walker, Anthony Smith fight. Right? We take a look. Walker plus 130. Smith plus 150 inside the distance. This fight most likely ends not on scorecards by someone getting knocked out. Who is that going to be? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly the point. It's a pick em fight. And then you go, okay, I don't know who's going to win. Probably ends inside the distance. And then you take a look at ownership and it's like, oh, both both fighters are going to be 30 to 35% owned. So it's like, so where do I go? Where do I go? I mean, yeah, obviously you can play one of those guys. Sure. But I mean, it's like, am, am I gaining any leverage? I'm still playing a 30 plus percent fighter. So it's like, show, show me where there's variance where I can, where I could go to a variant size. So that's why I'm looking like the Court McGee, Matt Brown fight, like the two old guys. Right, I'm looking at the Jessica Rose Clay. Like, if if people are going to play Lisboa because of of, of line value, then maybe Lisboa. She's only she's she's beaten five five women with like no records. So maybe she's off. Maybe she's absolutely awful and gets starched by Jessica Rose Clark. It could be the other way also, right? I mean, you don't know. We haven't seen her. So I'm looking at that. I'm like, okay, where? Maybe Jessica Rose Clark. Maybe Court McGee. Right, you look at the Kim Bohm fight. I think more likely people play Mandy Bohm because what other underdogs are there? Right, people are just like, oh, it's low level women's MMA. Play the underdog, which most of the time works out, right? So maybe you play Ji Young Kim. He, she she is going to be the lowest owned favorite. Play her. I, I don't have to worry that much about the rest of my lineup as much, right? Is there variance there? No, this fight is like plus minus eight million to go, to go to the cards. So the likelihood of someone putting up a hundred points is pretty low. So you take a look and you go, who can knock someone out? It's like Baterio. Bateria could knock Alberg out, I guess. Maybe. I know he's a four to one underdog, right? Sherman Rosenstruck. Like it's like okay, Rosenstruck. Yeah, maybe Rosenstruck can knock Jalen Lomel made out, but I think he's also going to be overwhelmed because he's in the main event. Oh, it's a five-round fight. Got to play a five-round fight. I don't think this fight goes five rounds. So, like, where, so where? So where's this variance? Where am I getting this variance from? Like, I don't know. Chase Sherman. I mean, that's why I'm like, oh, Chase Sherman, right? If Carl Williams is going to be forty percent owned, Chase Sherman's leverage, right? If if, if is going to be forty percent owned, Pateria is leverage. But I mean, obviously, these guys are dependent on like first-round knockouts. Right, it's unlikely that Terrier Sherman win via decision. So it's not like the type of thing is like, oh, decision win sixty two points type of underdogs. No, they they're either going to put up 80, 90, 100 points, or they're going to they're going to put up like seventeen points or nothing or less than that. This is the main reason I I'm, I don't find this this slate all that appealing at all at all. I start I before the show I started with drawing entries. Down to 50, 50 now. I, I think I had 75 before. Now I'm down to 50. Maybe I'll be down to 40. And if I were to play one 555 entry, I'm not even sure what that would be. That's why I'm not even sure to play. I mean, I'm just looking going. If I were to play, like, obviously, I think Almeida is by far. I mean, I'd re- if I'm going to play one of the 9K guys, it's just going to be Jalen Almeida. But Alberg fits the thing of like Alberg fits the fighter that people should not play as much of that I could get leverage over. 
But I don't even think that's going to happen because now we're down to 11 fights. Like, I would think that Almeida is like six. Like, I would expect Almeida to be 60 plus percent owned, Williams to be 50 plus percent owned, and Alberg be like 26% and be like, oh, well, I'm going to play Alberg. He's twice as less owned as, as Williams. But I don't think that's going to happen. He's minus 175 inside the distance. I still think he's going to be 35 to 40% owned. So it's like, where, where am I finding leverage? Where am I finding, where am I finding uh, variance? Unless I'm going to play a lineup where I'm just playing six on them. Okay, everyone's playing Almeida. I'll play Rosenchuk. And I'll play Sherman and Pateri in the lineup. I'll play the opponents of all three 9K fighters. And then and then play Gian Kim and Alex Morono and Fort McGee. Who have a, a, a combined total of like three finishes in 74 years between. And just hope for it. Just hope for, you know, an asteroid. You know, the, 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 something that comes with as, as often as the Haley's Comet to happen. Like, I mean, I, you can, I guess. I don't think I don't think that's very likely. Just hoping for chaos. I'm hoping for a fight to be canceled that everyone has. I mean, I don't I don't know that. And that and that's the problem on this card. The playing lineups that are reasonable that aren't too heavily duplicated. But we'll be talking about it tomorrow on Crunch Time. Go check that out. Tentatively scheduled for 10.45 in the morning, right? So even earlier than this show, right? A good thing on Saturdays, I'm up earlier, right? Because I play uh, Premier League soccer. So I'll, I'll be up for, for the, the 10 a.m. soccer slate. So you don't have to worry about me getting up tomorrow. So I'll be making my lineups, answering some questions. Remember, programming note, programming note, pre-game, DFS pregame show, we're on, we're on, we're on break. I'm on vacation. Until June 1st, okay? June 1st. Submit your questions while I'm gone. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. Because most of the shows, you submit questions, I give you the answers, right? Explain concepts, teach you statistics, math, DFS strategy, sports betting, prop betting, anything, anything you want. So get your questions in. So I have a nice, nice stack of stuff. So when I get back on the first, so if you don't see my face in a, in a, in a clip, in a, Thumbnail here on YouTube. I didn't get fired, right? I'm guarantee you. I I repeated this like every day this week, and I know I'm going to get at least two or three DMs of like, "Are you no longer with Roto Grinders?" That's like, have, have you watched the show? Do you watch the shows? I have no idea. I never understand it. But give me those thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs. Everybody loves the like button, right? Smash that like button. Smash the, the subscribe button. We got a big, big uh, MLB card today. MLB slate, 13 games. So, obviously, here on the channel, there'll be Grinders Live. There'll be crunch time. There'll be there, this golf stuff going on. There's this. We got soccer projections, right, for the EPL slate tomorrow. That that season's coming to a close pretty soon. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, I'm going to be going to Alaska. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're here for crunch time tomorrow, I'll be here tomorrow, right, tomorrow morning. But after that. I won't be back until I won't. You won't see me on a show until June first. So I'll be going to Alaska, then Las Vegas, and then back here, back here, answering your DFS strategy questions like I normally do, Monday through Friday, eleven o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com.